Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday morning service for September the 13th, 2020. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, there'll be those of you who are watching this through Facebook Live, those of you who are watching on our website, those of you who will be listening to this on Podbean or Apple Podcasts, those of you who will listen to a recording. Uh, we welcome you, and uh, thank you so much for, for joining with us. I'm just going to open up this service in prayer today. Father, we thank you, for we have an opportunity to declare you. We have an opportunity to worship you today. And uh, God, I pray for each person. Uh, I can't see them, but I can envision them, Lord, as I, as I close my eyes. I can, I can think of their faces and and wonder what their weeks have been like and wonder what their questions are and uh, god i pray that you would speak to people today that through your word you would you would reveal yourself in a greater way and uh, lord we would be able to put distractions aside and to focus on you for a few minutes wherever we are god uh, i pray that you would help us just to experience you we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you this morning. Enjoy the worship today.
give life You are love You bring light To the darkness You give hope You restore Every heart That is broken Great are you, Lord It's your breath In our love So we pour out In our love, so we pour out our praise to you only. You give love, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our love. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath. In our love, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our love, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our love, so we pour out our praise.
There's a passage in the book of Acts that talks about how God gives us life and breath and everything else. And this song is kind of uh, kind of modeled after that. And um, with that in mind, I wonder if you would join me in a word of prayer this morning. Uh, Lord, we just stop and take a moment to acknowledge, God, uh, that you are the source of everything. And Lord, uh, the breath that we're breathing today, uh, the life that we are living today, Lord, we live because of your grace. Uh, we live because of your sovereign power, because you've ultimately given us another day. And we can at times uh, be very individualistic and very uh, self-centered and think that everything that we have is because of us. But Lord, we realize today and pause today to acknowledge that everything that we have is because of you. And Lord, um, we put ourselves in second place and put you first in our lives. And we want you to be on the, the throne room of our hearts, God. And I pray for each household, each uh, family, each individual who is uh, watching or listening or who will watch, will listen. Uh, Lord, that ultimately your your presence would be experienced and it wouldn't just be an intellectual intellectual knowledge that we have about you but we would have a relationship with you and that relationship would be real and we would carry it into into our families and into our places of work and into our environments that we interact with other people uh, that ultimately people would see God alive in us and lord i pray for people who who don't even know if you're real today don't even know if you exist today and maybe contemplating that question as to whether or not there is even a god lord that you would just pour out your your love upon people and you would just just uh, show yourself in a powerful way to those who are seeking today I pray for those who are out in the front lines and uh, work in hospitals and schools and, and places where there's a high risk of, of transmission of this, this virus that we continue to, to deal with. And I pray your protection over people. And we pray, God, that you would have your way in our lives. For great are you, Lord, and it is your breath in our lungs so lord all we can do is turn ourselves over to you and ask that you would guide us and make our paths straight we pray in jesus name amen amen well good morning again everyone and uh, welcome to our Sunday morning service for September the 13th, 2020. Thank you so much for joining in. Now, I am a kind of a one-man band here. I'm doing audio and video and lights at the same time. So you'll have to bear with me for some of the technical things that could happen. If you see little glitches here and there, uh, that's because of me, okay? Um, Wanted to uh, give you a few announcements here as we begin. Let's see if we can do that. Yeah, there we go. 
Uh, if you are a first-time visitor with us, you'll see it on the screen right in front of you there. Uh, if you are visiting with us first time, maybe you picked up our stream somehow, maybe someone shared it with you, can you please do me a favor and take your phone and text that key phrase, reach the one to 514-900-0130. I would love the opportunity to follow up your your visit with us and I've got a little gift that I'll send you via email but I just need that that contact information so that I can follow up with you and you'll get on our mailing list uh, so you'll get all the information that's going on in the life of our church right to your phone okay and so please do that and by the way those of you who are uh, regulars with our church share this feed all right when you when you press that share button, let's see if I can do something really cool here. Hey, look at that. Now you've got it up in the corner. When you press that share button, what you're doing is you're inviting people to church, okay? Those of you who call uh, City Point uh, your home church, it's the same thing as as bringing someone into an in-person gathering. When you press that share button or you host a watch party what you're doing is you're inviting people to your church. And whether we're meeting online or whether we're meeting in person, uh, you are extending an invitation for someone to experience God and to learn about the Bible and to learn the message of salvation. And so press that share button and uh, do whatever, watch parties, whatever format you like. But that's really the same thing as you saying to somebody, Hey, well, you want to come to come to my church this weekend and check it out, okay? Um, keep on praying for our missionaries, the Charbonneaux who are in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, very uh, volatile over there, especially right now with the hurricane season. Pray for them and for their safety. Pray that God gives them energy to continue doing what they're doing. Just sensational work in uh, in a place where there is so much poverty and uh and difficult circumstances we'll talk about that a little in the message today and don and marie jose man as they are waiting for travel bans to be lifted so that they can begin to engage leaders around the world with uh their the material that they're writing right now for the quest leadership program so important there are so many nations around the world and uh, i take it they're going to be spending a, a great deal of time in various nations in africa but there are so many nations around the world where leadership and integrity in leadership is lacking. And uh, this is a fine couple uh, uh, with uh, a huge amount of experience under their belt. Uh, this is going to be a blessing to many leaders around the world. But pray for them as they get ready um, and uh, prepare for what they're going to do. And a uh, big announcement for you, all right, uh, today is the last Sunday that we are starting our our gathering at 11 a.m. So starting next week, it's going to be at 10.15 a.m. So 45 minutes before what you are presently used to, okay? And this is the service time that we used to have before the pandemic when we were meeting every week at the movie theater. So next week... Sunday, September the 20th, we will be uh, having an in-person gathering, first one in six months, over at Cineplex Quartier Distrante in Brossard, all right? We're going to be in screen number 10, everybody in the one screen, including the kids, 
and the service is going to start at 10.15 a.m. It will be streamed live in entirety, including the worship, just as we've been doing uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. We're going to continue doing it. So those of you who would prefer to stay at home and experience it online, no problem at all. We're going to uh, facilitate that and bring all of our gear there and stream straight from Cineplex. And this is going to start as a once per month at the Cineplex format. The other three weeks of the month, we're going to start at 10.15, yes, but it's not going to be an in-person gathering at Cineplex. We're going to stream it uh, from a broadcast site, most likely our own Bible college here in the province of Quebec, Institut Biblique du Québec, were very kind to us. And uh, so we will stream there and we'll stream the worship from there. We'll stream the message from there. And so once a month, we'll be back at Cineplex and the other three we're going to stream. Okay, so just remember 1015 starting next week. You can come to Cineplex. We're all prepared for you. You probably the only thing you need to do is make sure you have no symptoms. All right. If you have symptoms of the virus, you should not come. In fact, you should be tested. And uh, testing is really easy. I've had a test done myself. And uh, so you, when you come, just bring your mask. If you forget masks, we will have them on hand. Everything is prepared for you. We're in screen number 10. Plenty of room for physical distancing. And there'll be hand washing stations and all of that available for you. So you can have a safe experience. I am so looking forward to being with you in the same place. And having a time together where we're focusing in on God, and we're all together, okay? And so, again, whether you join us in the same place or whether you join us online is starting at 10.15 next week, okay? Um, This is a little group of guys who help move us from number 14 to number 10, and everyone's fine, okay? So I just want to assure you that it's going to be a safe experience for you. Cineplex has done a great job in modifying their facilities and cleaning schedules and all of this to make sure that their guests are well looked after. Okay. Uh, next uh, announcement for you. Yes. Um, uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness in, uh, in giving and wow, six months and we have continued to, to move forward and it takes your generosity. It takes your faithfulness to do everything that we're doing right now. You know, I'm looking into a camera. I've got three screens in front of me, about five devices. And all of that is because of your faithfulness. And we're able to have an online platform uh, that is reaching people because of your faithfulness. And we thank you so much for that. You can give through the PayPal uh uh, portal that you'll see on our website and also through e-transfer that you will see there as well. So we are continuing our series called Dear Churches. And the idea here is if God were to speak to churches around the world today, if Jesus were to speak directly to churches around the world today, what would he say? Uh, If Jesus joined us on our stream right now and took over this camera and spoke to us, what would he say? Would we be afraid to hear that message? Would we be excited to hear that message? Well, we have something very similar to this in the opening chapters of the book of Revelation in the Bible's New Testament 
And that's why I'm calling this Dear Churches, because we actually have a sort of Dear Churches letter from Jesus when we read these first three chapters. Now, a lot of people, when they approach the book of Revelation, they're not reading it that way. Uh, They're reading it as some sort of um, almost magical book that reaches into uh, our time and that we can we can pinpoint events that are taking place in modern history and look at them in the book of revelation as if the book was written to a 21st century audience somehow um and, and we just sort of move right into that mode when we read that book and we forget what kind of book we are dealing with uh in this book of revelation and just to review for you this is a fusion This is a very bizarre book, and we looked at this in the first week. This is week three, and you can catch up just on our Facebook page or our website or Podbean or Apple Podcasts. You're going to get all of these messages. Actually, our Podbean platform and Apple Podcasts, I think, is about 300 messages that we have since we launched this church almost four years ago. Now, Revelation is a fusion, and it's important for you to understand that. We're not looking at a book that's purely some sort of magical predictive prophecy book that we can say, aha, you know, this current president or some world leader is the Antichrist and this technology over here is the mark of the beast. And this is the way we, we, we gravitate to this type of interpretation. But if you really inspect what kind of book you're dealing with here, this is a fusion. You've got three kinds of literature here. You've got an apocalypse, and an apocalypse back then, uh, while, it, while they talked about the end of time, what the word apocalypse meant was to unveil something to pull the curtain back on something. So we've kind of changed the meaning of the word apocalypse to mean, you know, literature that's always about the end of the world or some type of cultural thing, movie or book or something that's about the end of the world. What apocalypse means is an unveiling. And this for sure is an apocalypse uh, in the traditional sense. I mean, we have a couple of dozen of them from the time that Revelation was written in the first century, there are several different types of literature or or books that that are of the same kind of genre. And we talked about what an apocalypse looked like back then. And this, this fits the bill, except it's really odd that the writer identifies himself as John, a simple person, not some, not some uh, uh, grand person. Uh, person from the Old Testament, not Moses or Elisha. And all of these apocalypses from that time would do that. They would write under a pseudonym and pick some some uh, uh, person from the Old Testament in particular as the writer. And everybody knew it was a pseudonym, but not this one. This one, John identifies himself and he's no one sensational. He's John imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos for his faith. Um, it is also a work of prophecy in in that it 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 is predictive. It's 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 talking about things to come for sure, uh, but prophecy also is literature where people spoke on behalf of God, and it's also an epistle. An epistle is a letter that was sent to multiple churches, and that's exactly what this is. And I'll put the little slide on the screen there, and just make this one bigger so you can see it. Uh, let's see how to do that. 
Yeah, there we go. There, so that's nice and big, so you can see it. It's like um, it's like a a, a delivery route. Uh, all these churches that are listed in the book of Revelation, the first three chapters, it's a delivery route. You start at Ephesus, you go up to Smyrna, you go to Pergamum, you go to Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. It's like a paper route, or uh, in modern terms, uh, Amazon delivery truck is going around and delivering these letters. It's it's very similar to that. And uh, so we're we're moving to uh, from uh, uh, the first church was Ephesus, and now we're moving up to Smyrna, and what Jesus has to say to that city. Smyrna is an interesting city. We know uh, less about it than we know about Ephesus, because Ephesus we have Acts chapter nineteen, we have Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Smyrna we know less about, but the history books tell us that it was famous for its beauty. Uh, for the the games, the competitive games that would be played there, and also for its loyalty to the emperor and to the Roman Empire, and in particular to worship the empire. It is a city that was destroyed and was rebuilt in the past before the letter uh, is addressed here, and this little section of, of the book of Revelation is addressed to this church of Smyrna. Uh, but it is it is a city that was quite um, uh, significant, almost as significant as the city of Ephesus, uh, and it was known for those things: beauty, the games, and the worship of the emperor. Now, uh, Smyrna and uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, I've got that on your screen properly. Smyrna and Philadelphia are interesting in the list of churches that we see in the Book of Revelation because they receive no criticisms from Jesus. Uh, it's only positive, uh, the, the, the remarks that are coming from Jesus and the statements that are coming from Jesus. They're, they're meant to encourage these churches. Uh, but these churches were churches that experienced suffering and persecution. So I want to talk to you today about a subject that I almost have never, I can't recall the last time I have heard a message about this or uh, read an article, or a blog, or a post about it. It's not often talked about today, uh, but it should be. And I want to talk to you today about what does it mean to suffer for the Lord? What is suffering for the Lord? So this is Revelation chapter 2, and verses 8 to 11. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, now, the angel can also be messenger there as well. We can translate that two ways. These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. This is Jesus identifying himself in this term, first and last. You're also going to see as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the Almighty. These are all terms uh, that Jesus uses to refer to himself. This is a clear, clear statement about the, the uh, teaching that Jesus Christ is God. Okay, I've been in some debates with Jehovah's Witnesses over the years, and they really dislike this passage uh, out of Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 1, and Revelation 22, where you have all these titles of Jesus, all referring to the same person, Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty, the First and the Last, the one who is dead, who came to life again. So this is who's talking here. I know your afflictions and your afflictions 
poverty, he says to this church. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. This is quite a phrase. It's repeated uh, again, I think, to the church in Philadelphia. We'll get there uh, in a couple of weeks. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. There's that word again, suffering. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution. Again, suffering. Wow, persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. It is jam-packed with with words that make your eyes just make your eyebrows raise i mean this church not one word of criticism but this was a church where the people were suffering and persecuted what does it mean to suffer for the lord i mean we have we have many um uh messages today and many books and many sermons that are not dealing with how to suffer and what it means for a church to suffer or a group of churches to suffer. I'll, I'll put a, uh, something on the screen to make you think a little bit. Which list describes Christianity, especially Christianity as, as it is taught and presented here in North America and the Western world? Uh, if you look on the right, th- this is probably more familiar to you. You know, if you're a Christian, you're victorious. You're the victor. If you're a Christian, you have power. If you're a Christian, you have prosperity. If you're a Christian, you have success. Uh, But on the left side, a victim versus a victor. Imprisoned rather than powerful. Poor rather than prosperous. Suffering rather than successful. There's not too many books or sermons or blogs out there that are teaching how do you suffer for the Lord and yet this church was suffering and here's the problem when you have a Christianity that only presents what you see on the right side there it is an incomplete Christianity and when people attempt to live this way and say well you know being a Christian means I'm always the victor and it means I'm always powerful and I'm always prosperous and I'm always successful that's not the full story because there are times in your life when you're when you're sincerely trying to live christianly and you find that you've been victimized as a result or you find that you've been imprisoned maybe not literally physically imprisoned although that certainly happens and i'll give you a case in a minute uh but imprisoned in some other way uh you pay the price for being a Christian. There are times when that happens. There are times where you're authentically trying to serve the Lord and you're poor as a result and you lose materially as a result. You, you, you lost the promotion because it was known that you were a Christian. You lost your job 
because you it was known that you were a Christian and you faced dire circumstances physically as a result. And there are people who experience that, but it's not often talked about or preached about. And there are times when you suffer for your faith because you are a Christian. And yet you're trying to live this constantly victorious, powerful, prosperous, successful life. And you find, how come things aren't going well for me? I'm trying to be an outspoken, authentic follower of Jesus. And I'm paying the price as a result. That's because that's what happens sometimes. And I feel like we, we, we have redesigned and reshape the Christian message, especially here in the West. And it really doesn't relate uh, when you when you present this kind of message to people who are suffering in countries all around the world because of their faith. Uh, the reality is that for the Christian, persecution is a guarantee. I'll say it again. If you are trying to live an authentically Christian life, you will at some point face persecution as a result. You will relate to that list of things that you saw on the left of your screen. Paul said it to Timothy, his young protege, uh, who had become the pastor at Ephesus for a while. And Paul would write this to Timothy in his last years of life. He would say, you, however, know all about my teaching." My way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone... Last time I checked, everyone means everyone. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It is, it is the most unspoken promise of Scripture, but it is a reality. And this church in Smyrna uh, was facing this reality of persecution and of suffering. What do you do? When you are suffering for the Lord, what do you do when that relationship is gone? Because you boldly declared your Christianity. When that job is gone, when you had to give it up, when you had to give this up and that up, and you realized you had to make a choice, you had to make a decision, and you paid the price as a result, and you feel all alone, and you feel like God has forsaken you, and you feel like everybody else seems to be victorious and prosperous and successful. And why am I suffering? I'm, the, I'm trying to, to be a real Christian, and I'm paying the price. And we don't really relate to that here in the Western world. You know, we get all frustrated and all bent out of shape when people stop saying Merry Christmas at Christmas time, we say, oh, that's so terrible, you know, or or if something happens to us in the college campus and there's pressure put on us. Yeah, sure, that's a little bit. That's a little bit of pressure. That's a little bit of persecution. But that's nothing compared to what people are living through in various countries around the world. Uh, there are places in, in the world today, uh, uh, I think of, of uh, China as an example, and there's been recent articles in the news about this. Uh, you have to search to find them, but uh, you can't do a Bible study like this or a service like this online in in China. You you cannot do it. If you're not part of the state 
sanctioned church, which really doesn't preach much of the gospel at all uh, because of the political situation there and the control there. If you're not part of what the state authorizes, you are subversive to the state. And what we're doing right now could get us all thrown into prison, uh, especially me. And there are places around the world where just doing this, what we're doing online, is dangerous. And yet we have all the freedom to do it. Nobody is is checking what's coming out of my home and out of my stream right now. Uh, and but we, you know, we get all upset about some of these things that we see in North America, folks. We need to widen our view and look around the world and see what's going on. I'm going to put a picture on your screen here uh, of a uh, a man by the name of Asif. Uh, Pervez, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's the one in chains there, and he's 37 years old. He spent the last seven years of his life in in prison in Pakistan for blasphemy. And uh, if you read the the story about him at his work, his employer was trying to convert him to Islam, and he refused that. And so he his employer turned the tables on him and accused him of blaspheming the prophet Muhammad. And in Pakistan, that is a crime punishable by death. And so now after seven years of being in prison, uh, not seeing his children, uh, twin children born, um, he has now been sentenced to death. And this took place on Tuesday uh, in Pakistan, and so his lawyers and uh, friends and family are trying to find a way to appeal this sentence and have it overturned. You'll recall a couple of years ago, there's a lady by the name of Aisha Bibi who had the similar thing happen to her, and she managed to, to have that overturned and escape uh, uh, very narrowly. I, I don't even know if anyone knows where she is now. Um, but that's the kind of persecution that people face around the world today. And that was what these people were facing in Smyrna. And there are times, even in our own life here in, in protected Canada and North America, where we do feel that sense of persecution, albeit not as intensely as uh, someone like the gentleman on the screen, but we do feel it. You are going to pay a price at some point for the fact that you are a Christian. And parents who are watching, listening, you should teach your children this. There's going to come a time where you're going to face the heat, where you are going to suffer, where you are going to feel imprisoned and victimized and poor, and you are going to feel that sense of suffering uh, as a result of being a Christian. Even poverty, you know, uh, we... We we ha we certainly have poverty here in Canada, and you you can go in different places. Uh, even even I'm right here in Greenfield Park, and I work two days a week at a food bank, and I see poverty uh, every time that I go there. Uh, and poverty comes in various kinds of degrees. Of course, you know our missionaries in Porto Prince, Haiti. That's one of the poorest nations in the world, and the poverty there is unlike anything that I've ever seen. You have children. Uh, literally living alone, raising themselves, living in ravines, in cardboard boxes there. It is absolutely stunning, uh, the intensity of the poverty there. But poverty has this way of, of, uh, of choking us and discouraging us and 
all of these things. And you will feel that sense of persecution at one point or another. This church in Smyrna did. And so the question is, when you suffer for the Lord, because your Christianity is known and you are somehow paying the price, what do you do? So I want to give you three three little observations here from this church uh, in Smyrna. Number one, remember you are rich, not poor. You are rich, not poor. And this is from uh, verse 9 of, of Revelation chapter 2. I know your afflictions and your poverty. And Jesus says to this church, yet you are rich. It reminds me of something that Paul said to the Corinthians, uh, talking about what he and his team endured for their sake. Uh, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path. This is Second Corinthians chapter six and verses three to ten. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Hmm. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters. Wow, I mean, they paid the price for their faith known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. And Jesus wants to say to that church and to you today, you're not poor, you're rich. If you are living an authentically Christian life, you're rich. Your net worth is not your, your, uh, your bank book. Your net worth in God's eyes, you are rich. You are going to inherit his kingdom. You have his spirit. You have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit living in you right now. You are not poor you are rich. If you've paid the price for your faith, you are blessed when you are persecuted. And so he's trying to encourage this church and trying to tell them, don't look purely at the physical circumstance. You are not poor. You are rich. Number two, engage fear with faith. When you face persecution, when you face the heat for what you believe, fear comes with that package. Um, and I've been I've been thinking uh, in recent days as I've prepared for this message about people who have paid the price for their faith with their very lives, people who've been martyred 
and executed and and died in horrible ways because of their faith. You know, there was a time in history where even people who wanted to translate the Bible into the common language so that the people could read it, there was a time in history when the church would persecute those people and would burn them at the stake because they were they wanted the Bible to go to the commoner and they they didn't want the 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 Bible to be this this uh, piece that was only understood and read by the priesthood and they were persecuted viciously uh, because of this and people have paid the price with their lives since the beginning of the church and in the book of Revelation I mean you don't have people who were dealing with a pandemic you have people who are dealing with much worse. They are facing a time where they're afraid for their very lives, uh, where they're afraid that the Roman Empire is going to put the pressure on to a point where they're going to lose their lives. And that happened to many of them. Uh, you look at the, the, the emperors uh, ranging from the time of the death of Jesus and onward, they persecuted the church with... with uh, with a, a viciousness that is hard to describe and the things that they did to Christians. Um, and, and people have, have lost so much for the cause of Christ over the last two millennia. And it's happening even today uh, in various countries in the world. And um, so we have to understand when you're looking at these churches and you look at specifically at this church in Smyrna, wow, they would have been uh, dealing with fear. And you look what Jesus says to them in verse 10, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful. You see the contrast between fear and faith there. Be faithful even to the point of death. You hold on to your faith. Don't recant your faith. Don't reject Jesus. You hold on to your faith even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. This was a city famous for its games. And that victor's crown there, if you inspect the Greek language, it's like the... Um, they would put this thing around their necks. It wasn't a crown that went on the head. It was like a garland that they would put around their necks, almost like a gold medal uh, that you would wear if you won an Olympic game uh, today. I will give you life as your victorious crown. So you've got to engage fear. But with faith, you've got to face it and you've got to say, these are the things that I believe and I will hold on to these things. Even if it costs me everything, I will not forsake these things. I will hold on to them until the very end. And this is a real battle because when fear starts to take over our lives and we become afraid to declare who we are, and we become afraid to to be ourselves. I mean, folks, when you go on record and people start knowing you are a Christian, speaking to the people in the audience here who would declare yourself as, as Christians, and I know there are those of you, and you're, you're not sure where you're at with that, and, and that's fine, but speaking to those who would declare themselves as Christians, um, 
when you go public with that and you start to say that, there can be a real fear that starts to build in your heart. Listen, the worst that's going to happen to you here uh, uh, for the time being is, well, maybe you're going to get made fun of. Maybe you're going to have people talk about you. Maybe people are going to ask you questions. Maybe they're going to mock you. That might be the worst of what you experience. And that, that too, can make us afraid. I don't want to minimize that. But you've got to engage that fear with faith because faith is stronger than fear. Faith can conquer fear and you've got to stare it right in the face and you've got to say, no, these are the things that I believe and these are the convictions that I hold. Uh, let me tell you, people around you over time, while they may disagree with you, while they may make fun of you, while they may mock you, in the end, some of those people are going to respect you because you have held true to your conviction convictions even when you face the heat. So you've got to engage fear and engage it with faith and number three your suffering whatever it is is temporary so jesus says to this church you're going to suffer persecution for 10 days it's it suggests a finite amount of time remember how paul wrote to timothy that god delivered him from all of the persecutions that he was facing your suffering is temporary now just for my jewish friends who may be watching here uh this whole thing of people who say that they are jews and are not and are a synagogue of satan uh let me explain something to you this can be terribly misconstrued as being anti-semitic and anti-jewish literature uh, what's going on here is, if you read the New Testament, which is all a Jewish audience predominantly, Jesus also being Jewish, well, Jesus faced uh, criticism and persecution from a segment of Judaism. Paul, a Jew, faced persecution and and uh, suffering, at times violent suffering, from a segment of Judaism. Stephen uh, was stoned to death uh, uh, with the Apostle Paul before his his conversion to Christ. Um, Paul wanted to snuff him out because this was a threat to his understanding of Judaism. So for sure, there is a segment that we see in the, the New Testament historically that persecuted this new faith and persecuted this new way talking about Jesus. This is not saying that uh, uh, the New Testament is anti-Jewish. On the contrary, this is literature to a predominantly Jewish audience written by a predominantly Jewish people about a central figure who was Jewish. But what's going on here is you have this segment of Judaism that rejected Jesus as Lord. And this is why Jesus uses this phrase, a synagogue of Satan. Uh, we know that there was an early church father by the name of uh, Polycarp, I think it was, who was martyred, uh, burned at the stake uh, in the city of Smyrna in uh, the middle of the second century. And the story goes that they did it on the Sabbath day and they gathered the wood and they burned him at the stake on the Sabbath day. 
And this was a persecution that took place. And this was a, certainly a segment of Judaism in that city, in that time, that persecuted uh, this new movement, okay? But the, the suffering was temporary. And even for the, 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 the Christian in Iran today, or in Saudi Arabia today, or in North Korea today, or in the, the, uh, the underground churches in all of those countries in China, uh, even uh, the, the Christian who's in prison today, uh, the Christian who's facing that death penalty uh, today, it's a temporary suffering that we experience in this life. And when we understand the scope of eternity, and when we understand that our lives here are finite and we make them intentionally secondary and we say my faith will outlive my life even my physical life is going to be outlived by the convictions that i have i will take those into eternity i will be alive even when this physical body is taken we come to a place where we understand that our suffering here is temporary and god is a god who delivers and he is a God who rescues. We don't always understand the timing. We don't understand the, the ways that he does it sometimes. But he is faithful to deliver us. And he will grant us that crown of life as he does to this church in uh, Smyrna. So we've got to remember that our suffering, when we experience it, is a temporary suffering. He drops this in at the end and We'll, we'll spend a little more time on this in the weeks ahead, but he says the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. And the second death we see described for us later on in the book of uh, Revelation. And the people who will hold on until the end, these people from Smyrna, Jesus has words of encouragement and commendation for them. Keep on going. Keep on holding on to what you believe. Don't compromise what you believe. Be who you are and live an authentic Christian life. And God is going to bless you. You're not poor. You're rich. Your suffering is a temporary suffering. And you've got to engage fear with faith. So I don't know... Uh, where you're at today and uh, what's going on in your in your life i know that this is a strange message uh, as i said i have not heard uh, many messages in many churches or read too many books about how to suffer for the lord but i believe that there are those of you and you relate and you say oh i, I i'm i'm feeling it right now and um, or I can recall an experience where I could feel the pressure and I could feel the persecution and I could feel I was up against a wall and it was purely because of what I believe. Um, so let me let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we thank you for you. Tell it to us straight. And uh, Lord, we don't want to to fall in love with and become enamored with an incomplete Christianity, uh, one that always guarantees us to be victorious and successful and powerful and prosperous. 
but Lord, we want to know you first and foremost. And Lord, if that means that we're going to suffer a little, if that means that we're going to experience poverty, if that means we're going to be imprisoned, even in an emotional sense, God, if that means that we're going to uh, be isolated or persecuted, Lord, uh, I pray that you would help us to know the real Jesus. I pray that you would help us, God, to fall in love with you who went to the cross for our sins. And Lord, that whatever would come, whether it's good times or difficult times, that we would continue to say, as for me and my house, we will, we will serve the Lord, whatever it costs. Uh, and God, I pray for others who are watching, listening, not even sure what this is all about and wondering if you even exist today and how people could even give their lives for you. Lord, would you continue to reveal yourself to people? I pray even for our Alpha course uh, that we started uh, last week, Lord, that you would speak into people's lives who are part of that group and, and build faith in us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you today, and uh, thank you again so much for joining in uh, with us. And I remind you, if this has been a blessing to you, to share this feed. And remember, next week, the 20th of September, we will be starting at 10.15 from the movie theater Cineplex, Quartier Distrante, screen number 10. Please come and join us or watch the stream online starting at 10.15. Until then, God bless you, everyone.